It's good to see you. Happy summer to you. Um, I look forward to us being able to spend uh, the summer together through the rest of June and July here at, at 1030. And um, today's the first Sunday of the month, so we are going to be sharing the sacrament of communion together um, as well. So, so we're starting this new series called The Parables of Jesus. And um, we're going to be in Matthew 13 as our main text for this morning, but there's going to be a few other places we're going to be. But if you have your Bibles, you want to go ahead and turn to Matthew 13, you can. Um, <clears throat> so the parables of Jesus, I think it's a good place to start with, well, what is a parable? Uh, very simply, very simply, a parable, it's a story used to make a point. A parable is just a story used to make a point. Now, when Jesus taught, and that's the parables we're looking at, the parables of Jesus, right? So when Jesus taught, at, at, at times, he spoke very directly. Like, there was no wondering, you didn't walk away going, huh, I wonder what he meant. Like, he was very direct. An example of that's in Matthew 22, okay? That's one, I told you 13, but 22 is where we're going to start. Uh, Matthew 22, this is actually one of the key verses to who we are as the porch, we say we're following Jesus for our community. It's based on this passage here in verse 37 of Matthew 22. He's asked what the most important commandment is. And he says very clearly, very plainly, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. All right? So that's our following Jesus aspect of, for our community. So you don't, you don't wonder that. There's no, that's very simple. It's very clear. You're like, okay, Jesus was asked a question. He answered it very clearly. But then there were other things that Jesus uh, wanted to teach, wanted to impart to his disciples and the people that came to hear him that were a little more abstract. He would talk about, and most of the parables actually are directed in this, this way, he would talk about, he wanted to give them the understanding of what the kingdom of God really was. And he would often say, the kingdom of God is like, and then he would tell a parable. Or he would say, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he would tell a parable. Now, by the way, kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are synonymous. They're the same. You can interchange them. They don't mean two different things. There's not a kingdom of God and a kingdom of heaven. It's all the same. So when you hear those, there's no difference there. But he would do this, Jesus would do this because he wanted to give multiple views to this idea of the kingdom. And you might think, well, isn't the kingdom of God, isn't that a, can't that be pretty straightforward? Just tell them what it is. Well, it wasn't that easy. Because there was a lot of different ideas and a lot of different expectations of what the kingdom would look like. So we're going to start with our first parable today in Matthew 13, beginning in verse 31. It's not the first parable he teaches, but it's the one I wanted to start with as we go through this series. So uh, you can tell it's not the first one because it says in verse 31, Matthew 13, here is another illustration Jesus used. So he's making a point, and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, so he's wanting to get this across to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. Okay, now the thing about a mustard seed that we need to know, first of all, is, um, I don't know how many of you 
gardeners out there planting mustard seed, but if you do, you know that mustard is very, very, very difficult to contain. It's not something that you would just throw into a garden with something else because the mustard seed would take it over. The term small as a mustard seed was a very common axiom in, in this first century Israel. It was a term that people used. They knew if you said, whether you were a, a, a Israelite or a Christian or not, just a regular old person, right? If, if you said, it would be so normal for someone to say, oh yeah, that's small as a mustard seed. And what people knew that meant was, it's something small that's going to end up being big. All right, so... Um, in our vernacular, in the South, we might say a little kudzu goes a long way, <laughs> right? You know what it means, right? You know that. Side story, very quick. It was 2007, and Drew and I had just started dating. Oklahoma State was playing Georgia in Athens. And so my dad and my brother, who went to Oklahoma State, uh, they flew into Atlanta. I was going to pick him up. I did pick him up. And then we were going over to Athens to see the game. Picked up my dad and brother from the airport, making our way to Athens. And along the highways and the byways, what does my dad see from Oklahoma where there is no kudzu, but he sees the beautiful kudzu. And he's like, wow, that is beautiful. That is wonderful. Look how pretty and green it is. And then I explained to my dad about kudzu. And his response was, and this says a lot about my dad and probably a lot about me, is, hey, can I take a little bit of that home and plant it near my neighbor's yard? Because <laughs> he and his neighbor were not getting along. <laughs> a little kudzu goes a long way, small as a mustard seed. So when Jesus spoke those words, people knew what he meant. Now here's the other deal. When you get like into the practicalities of, of actual mustard seed, a mustard plant on average would reach a mature height of anywhere from six to 10 feet. It's a pretty big plant, you know, um, and it's also, it spreads out. It's not just tall, but it, it goes wide. So it'd be about a, a 15 to 20 foot spread. That was the average. But an exceptional mustard plant can reach 30 feet tall under the most ideal conditions. So people knew it was possible, but when he talks about, when Jesus uses the term tree instead of plant, he's establishing this thing is going to be big. He's saying this is going to be big. So like the, the hearers of Jesus telling this story, this parable, to make a point about the kingdom of God here from plant to tree, and most of them are like, well, that's not common. That's not normal. We understand the concept of small to big, but you're talking small to really, really, really big. Now here's the other thing I think that's really significant about the message today, and you're, you'll hear me say it a few times. Keep this in mind. But in regard to a mustard plant, which came from the seed, right? It has, in its, in how it's built, um, it has a very, a spreading, multi-stemmed growth habit. Right? It's not just one stem. It spreads and has multi-stems. And that's a very important concept I want you to keep in your mind as we talk about the kingdom of God. Because Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's like a mustard seed. So what did he mean? Again, very simply, through Jesus, the seed of Christianity is planted. 
Through Jesus, the seed of the church as we know it was being planted. It was starting there with that one seed spreading multi-stemmed growth from that one place. Now, here's what's going on. 50 days after Jesus' death, now resurrection, 50 days from his resurrection, the Holy Spirit of God fell upon the disciples and the church was born on Pentecost. Right? That's being celebrated all over the world today. 50 days after Easter. And what we know is, of course, the disciples were there, but there were others. Often they were mentioned, others. Women that weren't mentioned, other people, families of those who were there. The guesstimate is probably 120 people, thereabouts, that the Holy Spirit fell upon at Pentecost. They were told to wait in Jerusalem, and they did. And so from that point... What happens is, is this, this beginning from that small seed being planted, this spreading and multi-stemmed growth. It starts to go out from that place. Because the kingdom would eventually grow into this massive multi-stemmed tree. But it would all start from that one small, seemingly inconsequential seed, right? For Jesus, it was very essential for him to emphasize the kingdom's small beginnings. And there's a reason for that. He wanted them to understand this is, this is different. This is different. Because see, the Jewish faithful uh, in, in the first century, the Jewish faithful, they looked for a Messiah. Now, whether they accepted Jesus or not, if they became one of the Jewish faithful that accepted Jesus or they just remained Jewish and were like, no, we don't think it's him, the Jewish people and a lot of the society around them knew about Messiah. They knew someone was coming. They knew that someone was going to come and establish the kingdom of God. And people were looking forward to that. There was major, major nationalistic expectations for the Messiah to come. Major. I, it, would, it would put like MAGA to shame. The expectations for there to be someone to come and sit on a throne and rule, and rule mightily. Because the faithful were looking forward to a reestablishment of, of this sovereign Israel, right? That would never, ever, ever have to fear enemies ever again. That was their hope. That was what they were looking for, is that they would never be afraid. They would never be at the, at the bottom of the food chain. They would never be persecuted. They would never be killed and murdered and run off. They, would never, they were going to finally be at the top, and this was the expectation. So now Jesus comes along and says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Doesn't, doesn't make sense. One of the reasons he used so many parables is because he was trying to make this point. He needed them to shift their focus, right? Because even after the miraculous resurrection of Jesus, right? You would think that in and of itself would kind of turn the tide a little bit. But even after his miraculous resurrection and his appearance to so many people, even still the disciples were going, okay, this is the expectation we have is for that you know, for Israel, you know, to, to make Israel mighty again. Like, that's, that's the plan. That's where we're going. So picture them gathered around the resurrected Jesus in Acts chapter 1, 
They're gathered around. Maybe they have on their red Mima hats, make Israel mighty again. And they're sitting around and they ask him and they say, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? But the kingdom was not going to come in the way the people had always expected it. Just why Jesus spoke in parables to get this point across, because they still didn't get it, even, even when Acts comes along. It was going to start as the smallest seed and grow into something monumental. This is the mustard seed spreading, this multi-stemmed movement of Jesus, and he wanted them to understand this. So even though Judaism, that didn't accept him as Messiah, and the Roman Empire... Even though they rose up in defiance to his message and his disciples' message, the church was still established. It was still established. It was established there at Pentecost. And it, and it began, it initiated this movement that made Christianity spread across the globe. It's what Gracie was praying about just a few moments ago. And it did, and it spread like a mustard seed. It started so small, but it goes. Like, like kudzu on the, on the side of the highway. Now, here's, here's the good news for each of you, porch community. Here's the good news. Because um, I want, we, we talk kingdom, and we need to talk kingdom. It's a, it's, a, um, it's a communal thing, but it also is made up of individuals. And so I want you to understand that, yes, that message Jesus shared to his disciples about that seed being planted and then it started to go, I want you to understand that you are part of that. As a follower of Jesus, you're a part of this multi-stemmed growth of the kingdom of God that he wants to establish and he wants to continue to grow. You're a part of this. And so the smallest seed planted in your life by Jesus, first and foremost, is the most important. Like, that's the very, very beginning of it all. It starts with a relationship with him. And so I would just say it because I don't want to make the assumption, do you know him? Do you know him? Have you, have you called on him? Have you declared him to be the Messiah, your Savior? Because it starts there. It starts there. And then from that seed that's planted, from that seed of faith in your life that's planted, you know what grows from that? is a purpose and a calling and a plan. Now, we don't always know the plan, but the purpose and the calling is there. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a spreading thing. It's a multi-stemmed thing. It's how God works. It's exponential when you really think about it. It's, it's impossible to contain if you allow God to work in your lives. So imagine, think about this, imagine the power, imagine the possibilities of a tiny mustard seed of faith planted in your life and then planted in the lives of other people and then those people coming together as the church. Because that's what was going on at Pentecost. That should be what's going on now, today. Because what happens when you bring all that together is that we become like this spreading, multi-stemmed, unstoppable movement of Jesus Christ. Mustard seed. Big. 
tell you a mustard seed story in my life. I know many of you have heard this before, so bear with me if you, if you, if you will. But, but I want to share with you because I, I look back and I, I, didn't, I didn't realize how, as always, when we look back, things are so much clearer, right? But it was in the late spring of 1994, and I was a brand new believer, and I was, the strangest thing happened because it n- never happened before, <laughs> never, ever, ever. But as a new believer, I felt this incredible calling, purpose to teach. Teach. Now, that word came up as I prayed. It came up as I studied God's word. It came up as I journaled. I just, that word, teach, teach school, I don't know. I didn't have a degree in education. I wasn't teaching school. I had no idea. But teach, and it was this tiny seed planted in, in my life. Teach. So as a new believer, I started a Bible study at my house. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was teaching. Okay, do that. I was teaching some tennis lessons too. Okay, I'm teaching. I was never unashamed of the gospel in my opportunities to teach. When I was teaching tennis, people knew I was a believer, so I'm teaching. About a year later, I was seeking God about my future. Like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? And that, that calling, that, that seed planted was still there, teach. And I actually had two job opportunities to, guess what, teach, <laughs> Teach school, one in Kentucky, one in Florida. I was trying to decide where to go. Both wonderful offers. What couldn't go wrong, but it was really like trying to determine. Two great offers to teach. I had a third offer, and it was to come to Valdosta, not to teach, but to tag along with my friend who was engaged to a guy that lived here while she finished school and planned her wedding. And I was like, just let's take that off the table. Teach. The call is to teach. And so I was praying and I was reading scripture and I was seeking God about these two opportunities to teach. And I was reading in Numbers chapter 9 and it's, it's the passage where the Israelites followed the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And when, it's, when it set out, they set out. And when it stopped, they stopped. And whether it's for a day or a week or a month, wherever the presence of God was, that's what the Israelites did. And so as I read that, I heard the voice of God. Not audible, but I knew the voice. Go to Valdosta. Go to Valdosta. It didn't make sense, but I knew the voice. No instruction on what I was going to do in Valdosta, but I knew I was to go to Valdosta. So I arrived here in 95, September of 95, and I continued to teach, kind of. The first thing I did was I got on the deal to substitute teach, and I got calls every morning at the crack of dawn to be to teach. In lots of schools. I started to teach tennis as well, the apartment complex I lived in. So, okay, I'm still living into this calling God to teach. Pretty soon I became the, um, the tennis pro for Parks and Rec, Mackey Park, and I did that for four years, teaching. Okay, God, this is my calling. I'm going to live into it. Again, un- unashamed of the gospel, sharing that story. Then I got asked to come on staff part-time, middle school youth director, to teach so I accepted it okay I can do that and two years later it became a full-time gig so now I'm teaching and then a year later and this is now 2002 a few of us started this contemporary worship ministry thing called Solomon's Porch and I started teaching every single week teach like I said if I could if I could have told you that I was like every time I was like yes because God told me to teach I will do what that is no I stumbled into so many of these things but the seed had been planted Teach. Teach. 17 years that seed 
was spreading and multi-stemmed and teach. And as many of you know, it became evident that there was a need for a new place because that couldn't be contained any longer. Spreading multi-stemmed movement began three years ago as the Porch Community Church. And I can tell you this, from the moment I heard teach and even attempted to live into that calling, I think that's important to note, because we don't always get it right. But from the moment I heard that word, that calling, that purpose in my life to teach, my life has been completely and wonderfully out of my hands. <laughs> A tiny seed planted that's grown it grew as I was reading in the, in the book of Numbers. It, it, it grew as I stepped into teaching opportunities that came along. That, that seed unleashed a life that I never, ever could have imagined, ever. Tomorrow, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of clergy and lay people are going to gather in Columbus for an annual conference for the United Methodist Church. And I'm going, your kids pastor Kristen is going as a lay delegate, and we're going tomorrow, um, one of the items of business, really the only reason we're going, um, is because tomorrow around 2 o'clock, they're going to vote, they're going to have the official vote to approve our vote to disaffiliate, so kind of the official things happening tomorrow. And it's not just us, there's 17 other churches that are embarking out from the United Methodist Church and, and feel the call that just to just be faithful to the purpose and the work that God has called each of those congregations to do for God's kingdom. That seed planted. This is how God's kingdom works. It's uncontainable. You can't contain the move of God. It's, it's like holy kudzu. It's a, a spreading, multi-stemmed movement. And what I love is that tomorrow, a, a whole new stem begins. Amen? Amen? I know as I sit here and tell my story that you have yours. I know you do. And it, it might not be as clear in some places or it might be so crystal clear you may have veered off. You may have gone in a different direction. You may have forgotten it, and like it's right now where the Holy Spirit of God is reminding you of that, that seed planted. And friends, all I can tell you is lean into that. Obey that. Seek after that. Because the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And it starts out so small but it grows into this massive tree. <laughs> and it makes farmers scratch their head because that's not the way it's usually done. And that is the kingdom of God. And he wants to work in your life. He wants to continue that calling he's put in you, that purpose for you. If you're not sure what it is, keep on seeking. Because it might be as small as a mustard seed, but I promise there's absolutely no reason that God would hide that from you. So keep on seeking after it. This is the kingdom of God.
This is it. I'll ask the band to come back out. And those who are serving communion, um, to go ahead and come forward and prepare to serve you. And then I would ask you to pray with me. God, your church was born on Pentecost, which it's recognized today. It's recognized all around this world that today is the day that your church, that your church was born. Your Holy Spirit came down upon the believers. And it was a small mustard seed. It was. But it's grown and it continues to grow. And it is that spreading, multi-stemmed movement of life. This is your kingdom, God. This is how you work. You start small. You start with things that don't seem to matter. You do things that don't seem to make sense on paper. This is the way of your kingdom, God. And inexplicably, you invite us into your work in your kingdom. God, we thank you that we're invited to participate in the sacrament of communion. That you invite us to participate in this moment that, that brings us together. It reconnects us with you. It reminds us of our of who you are and what you have done. God, you sent your son to bear the sins of the world. You sent your son to pour out his blood, shed for us so that our sins would be forgiven. Lord, I pray that today we declare you to be Messiah. Messiah. And whatever our expectations we had that were wrong or misguided, Lord, I pray that today is the day we declare you to be the Messiah, the Savior. And we commit our lives to you we commit our purpose to you. We commit our calling to you. We commit to, to live into, to the best of our ability, the purposes that you have for us in your kingdom. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.